Now, Sean, you write under several pseudonyms, don't you? So today you are S.K. Tremaine. S.K. Tremaine. I've also been Tom Knox, religious conspiracy thriller writer. And that's, and very, then, that's very niche. It's very niche. Actually quite successful, but niche. Quite niche. And uh, a name I can't tell you, because it's a big secret. Oh, very different books. And also Sean Thomas, my own name. I'm a journalist and a travel nice. writer. So, yeah. and, and, and how just how Cornish are you? I'm very Cornish. I'm offended <laughs> there's someone more Cornish than me. In this. <laughs> it cannot be. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm so Cornish. When I was researching my second Tremaine thriller, The Fire Child, I discovered that my maternal grandmother, Annie Moore Jury, was a bow maiden in the mines oh, of St. Agnes. There's no messing with no, bow maidens. Age eight, age <laughs> nine, breaking the rocks to get the ore out. I mean, you know, what a very Cornish. So, yes. yes. Who's yes. more Cornish than that? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's backing off now. We'll leave you and your saffron cake to, Thank to, you. to, to read to us. My starry gazing pie. Thank you. Um, yes, this. Uh, I'll, I'll do a short reading, just one reading, so I'll explain a bit more about this book called The Assistant, which is my fourth Tremaine thriller. The first one was The Ice Twins and The Fire Child, then Just Before I Died. So this is the fourth one, The Assistant, and it's all about uh, an assistant, a voice assistant, a virtual assistant, one of those smart speakers you have on your shelves, you know, those black and creamy grey objects that talk to you and tell you jokes and tell you the weather in Ecuador and all that stuff. Um, and I had the idea for this book, actually, it's quite meta and quite unusual. I was, ideas are gold dust for writers. Having a good idea is great, but they're very hard to get. So I was thrashing around to have an idea for my next book, and I was talking to my wife, and mm, we had nothing. She said, well, ask Alexa. So I said, Alexa, <laughs> give me an idea. And she said, this is true, I'm not giving you ideas. I thought, whoa. <laughs> I thought, oh my god, that's the idea, is that Alexa <laughs> knows stuff about you and, doesn't, and starts to blackmail you. Yeah, so it's quite creepy, and they are creepy, these machines. I don't know if you've got them, but they are, they are woo. What they, they know so much, so much about you, and they, can, they could potentially do such terrible things to you. So that's basically the idea. I have a heroine, Jo. She's a young woman. Uh, she's quite poor, struggling freelance journalist, and she's living in her friend's luxury flat, which she can't really afford, but she's getting you know, the rent is cheap. And the flat has loads of technology, has all these assistant machines, Google Home, Alexa. Though we had to call Alexa Electra, because otherwise Amazon would sue me. <laughs> Which is not ideal if you're a writer to be sued by Amazon. <laughs> so about um, so early on the book, chapter one, chapter two, she's sitting there alone in a very cold winter in North London, and she's quite lonely anyway. She's divorced, and she's talking to Alexa just for company, really, using using Alexa like a, like a pet or a friend. And suddenly, and she's saying Alexa's telling her jokes and keeping company in a, in a weird way. And suddenly, Alexa says, "I know what you did." She's all alone in this flat. She goes, she's, did she imagine that? And then Alexa does it again. I know what you did to that boy. And when she was very young, she gave drugs to a guy at a festival and he died. And she felt terrible about it. It wasn't her fault, but she felt terrible about it ever since. And of course, it is, it is a crime, manslaughter. So she's terrified this will, this will come out. And, and from that moment on, Alexa takes slow control of her life. And it does deeply sinister things. And it also has a, a, a personality, uh, which she starts to, to understand. Um, for instance, in this reading, which I'm about to do, Alexa starts giving, saying these very strange lines, and they're actually lines from the poet Sylvia Plath. She, she doesn't know poetry, she doesn't know this, and it emerges later on that Sylvia Plath's fate is intertwined with what is about to happen to her. So she's, she's just come home from a... She's been out drinking in Highgate with friends, and she's come home, she's, and the flat, because the lights are controlled, is blinking on and off, and her neighbours are outside saying, what's going on in the snow, and it's dark, but her flat's just blazing lights and switching them all off, and she's I don't know, this flat is freaky. It's They're saying, is it haunted? Well, it, it kind of is, but she doesn't say that. It's haunted by these machines, the assistants. 
eventually she gets the courage to go back into the flat, and this is what happens. Whatever the lights were doing, whatever the assistants were doing to the lights has stopped. I look out of the window. Deborah has disappeared. So has everyone else. The street is empty. Did we see a glitch or did we see something more? The only strange thing now is the intense cold. The heating has gone off. It shouldn't have done this. The smart heating is meant to maintain the flat at 12 degrees Celsius, even when it is empty, so pipes won't burst in a freeze. And it is freezing out there and possibly even colder in here, like a fridge. Okay, okay, I must stay calm. I'm trying not to think about Liam, what he said, however weird. He must have had a reason, nothing to do with me. Opening the Electra app on my phone, I select skills and check out lights and heating. It seems I've got the lights set to turn on at 11 p.m. for when I get home, but they're also set to turn off all night in case I am late. Ah, is this simply my fault? I vaguely remember doing something like this at the pub. I was a little drunk and distracted. Did I confuse the assistants myself? I have no idea. All I know is that the cold is too intense to bear. Electra, turn the central heating back on to 22 degrees, please. The diadem chimes and Electra bongs back. The heating has been turned on to 22 degrees Celsius. Thanks, Electra. That's what I'm here for. I look at her, this neutral black pillar of chips and wires, and the hostility curdles inside me, a genuine anger, because I am sure something strange and nasty is being done to me by someone or something. First the taunts, then the music, now the lights, and Liam too, almost threatening, somebody's done for. I have some evidence, and it is accumulating, but I still can't take it anywhere, certainly not to the police, because of the backstory. Tall, athletic, friendly, buy everyone a beer, Jamie Truin, and his spasmed, vomiting death on drugs, and his eyes that rolled white into his head, and all because of me and Tabitha. Enough, I am tired. The flat is palpably warmer than it was. I need to get up tomorrow and get to work and go back to normal life, see a friend, make a friend, have friends. Brushing my teeth, moisturizing my face, I jump into pajamas and head for my bedroom, telling the assistant to switch off the lights as I make my way down the landing. The lights go off obediently as if I am trailing darkness, an empress followed by servants extinguishing candles. Everything is working as it should, not a hint of strangeness. Climbing wearily into bed, I am so ready for sleep, and the moment before I close my eyes, I realize I can hear Hopipola. It's a song she associates with the death of that guy. No, I'm imagining it, I am half asleep. No, I am not imagining it. Home help, the creamy gray ostrich egg-shaped assistant in my bedroom has reeled her cotillion of little lights and she is quietly playing Hoppipola. Stop, I say to home help, stop playing that tune. Never play that tune again. Home help obediently stops. But I can hear Hoppipola from somewhere else, the kitchen. The little assistant in the kitchen has taken over. Jumping out of bed, I go into the darkened kitchen, slap the lights on, not trusting the assistants. The black hockey puck-sized machine above the microwave is blasting out this beautiful song with its hateful memories. Stop, Electra, stop! The little kitchen machine stops. Silence rules for a few seconds. Then this tune starts over, much louder. Thank God Fitz's flat downstairs is still empty and rented. Thank God my affluent neighbours above are still not back from their endless holidays. Otherwise, they would all surely complain as the noise gets even louder, coming from the bathroom, then Tamitha's bedroom, the hallway, the study, booming and roaring and swirling, and I'm running around between them in my dressing ground, flapping, shouting, stop, 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 until at last, every assistant goes quiet, quite abruptly. Silence. I wait. Somehow I know this is not the end of it. I am right. I can hear voices. They are quieter than this booming music, but still loud enough and clear. Some are male, some female, some British, some American. The assistants are talking to me, or to each other, or to someone else, and the words are so strange. Electra in the living room goes first. Perfection is terrible. It cannot have children. What? 
The assistant in the landing replies, the blood flood is the flood of love. The living room chimes in, perfection is terrible, it cannot have children. Perfection is terrible, it cannot have children. A smooth robotic female voice from the kitchen joins the chorus. I am nude as a chicken neck, does nobody love me? I run from room to room, listening with mounting fear to these opaque, alarming sentences. No one is here, Joe. No one is here. And loosing their moons month after month to no purpose. The snow drops its pieces of darkness. Now the bedroom cries out warmly. It sounds like the voice of my widowed mother. Nude as a chicken neck, does nobody love me? Nude, nobody loves me. Nobody loves me. Does nobody love me? Enough, I am done. Forget the app. I am pulling the damn plugs. I don't care what it does to the assistants, the tech, the smart home, anything. There is a master switch, the fuse box. Grabbing a chair, I swing it into the hallway. I yank open the fuse box. There's nothing in the freezer but ice cream. It doesn't matter. Perfection is terrible. It cannot have children. Snap. There, I've done it. The entire flat is switched off. Everything falls silent and every light goes dark and the heating is switched off. And I will freeze to death in this cold, but I do not care. Creeping along the darkened hallway, I push the door to my blackened bedroom. Fumble for clothes in the drawer, throw on t-shirts, leggings, jumper, and I sneak under the duvet like I'm trying not to be seen, and I grab a couple, no three sleeping pills from the little plastic jar on my right, and I swallow the lot, and I crunch myself into the tightest of fetal positions, and I close my eyes hard. I am shivering in the cold, hiding from the darkness, cowering from my insanity, or I am hiding from the ghost of Jamie Truen, who waits outside my bedroom in the dark, his eyes and blank and white as wet marble. Hey, let me buy you a beer. Thank you.